Hi, I'm Dominic Patton. And I'm Pete Hammond. And this is the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Hey, today we're going to be discussing the Emmy contenders for Best Actress in a Drama Series. Plus, you're going to hear Dominic's interview with Reed Scott from Veep and my interview with Maggie Gyllenhaal from The Deuce. It was at our annual Emmy Contenders event. It's all HBO today. We're just like HBO and the hell out of this thing, which I'm, <laughs> which I'm good with. I love HBO. Yeah, I, you it's know, great. Because it's, it's not TV. It's HBO. It is. All right. So, Best Actress in a Drama Series. Well... <laughs> The Queen is Dead, Long Live the Queen is not actually going to be the case this year because Claire Foy, who won last year for The Crown, is actually ineligible this year because they haven't come back for their new season Everyone's yet. Everyone's ineligible almost from not last Sandra. year. Not Sandro. She's the only one that can come back from the list last year. It's, has that ever happened before? No. Really? That is. I mean, usually, really? <laughs> usually, usually every year there's like one or two, right? That, and especially this is more recent. Highly years. unusual to ha- only have one person nominated out of how many here? Six nominees. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That is eligible to come back this year. It shows the new, conf- you know, uh, conflated way we do uh, uh, Emmys now, and uh, with different shows going off or not eligible this year, and all of that stuff. It's very, very interesting to me that I can't remember another year where you've had almost a brand new lineup here, except for Sandra Oh and Kelly Eve, who has been killing it on Ouch. the awards circuit. Ouch. Killing. You just went for it. Killing Eve and everybody else. At, uh, historically you know, so, actually. Historically yeah. so, because of her Golden Globe. Golden where, Globe, I mean, Critics' that, Choice, um, yeah. uh, SAG. Totally. You, you know, she's done it. So she's... Not only the only one coming back from last year got to be considered and here, the front here, runner. Here's the other thing too. Yeah. Um, her castmate Jodie Comer, who uh, who plays the assassin who Eve is hunting across Europe, amazing, amazing in season one and doubles up her effort in season two of the BBC America and yeah. right now simulcast on AMC series. Right. So I mean, you might actually find literally the leads of Killing Eve. Having okay. to having to battle it out themselves, Jody like Comer and yeah, Sandra, like they did at the end of season one. Right. Um, so <laughs> that's even going to throw this thing even into more of a, a wild roller coaster. Yeah, well, we've got. If I were uh, doing campaigns for any of these places, I would spend the money because the opportunity is definitely there. And if Jodie Comer does pull off a nomination, that could mean they cancel each other out, and no. that can really open up. This and that, world. my friend, would bring <laughs> also. The other maybe two timers in this too, which is Game of Thrones, Amelia Clark and Lena Headey, who both could be nominated in leads here for the final season of Game of They're Thrones. They're both going for lead. This yeah, year. and so so by that you're going to have the royal the royals of the Battle of Game of Thrones right. against against the uh, the assassin and the spy of Europe fighting each yeah. other, right? I, I may, and maybe that just blows the whole thing. Yeah, over. that is not unusual in the supporting categories. It's a no. little more rare in these lead categories. When is in it the ever, has it ever happened before? Uh, I can't think of a point where you had two leads from a show. uh, Oh, yeah. But I I mean, you know, but it's very rare in terms of that. But it's not rare in the uh, supporting categories. Nevertheless, you're absolutely right. Game of Thrones last season, it's going to be a juggernaut in the Emmys this year. No question. Do you think, you know, to talk kind of more about Hollywood royalty and certainly POTUS royalty, do you think that Robin Wright, do you think she's going to be a serious player? I I absolutely think she'll get one of these nominations. Because some people have kind of acted like, you know... There are so many problematic, to put that in quote, elements about that, and and obviously Kevin Spacey, that they just kind of, can we just kind of put that a little bit behind us? But I I have seen Netflix, Netflix are definitely pushing that final season. No question with Robin Wright, and I, I think people recognize what she had to go through. 
and what they had to go through with it. She's going to represent that. I don't think the show's going to be nominated, but I do think she has a very good shot of getting in here. Uh, you know, a lot of this is going to be a fresh category again. I want to point out somebody, though, uh, on CBS All Access who was nominated <laughs> repeatedly. <laughs> uh, definitely in this royal category, a queen, by the way. I yes. Mean, like, I love her. Yeah, Christine yeah. Baranski. Totally. Fabulous. Totally. I love the show, by the way, The Good yeah. Fight. It's really fun. It's edgy. Um, hates it, Donald Trump. If people can just see it or figure out how to freaking get CBS All Access. I, you know what I don't know? <laughs> I don't Look, I get it. You, yeah. know, you, you, you use the, their bait, and you get them to go on. And obviously Star, Star Trek Discovery is one. Twilight Zone, which we've talked yeah. about yeah. Uh, previously, is one. But the good fight, you know, it does seem to me like there's a natural place to say, we're going to do a good fight marathon on, right. you know, and just like throw it up and do it. Right? Well, it is on Amazon Prime, yeah. too. I it's mean, on Hulu can, as well, I think. Yeah. yeah, exactly. You can find ways to watch it if people are aware of that. I think but it's not the same thing as being on broadcast. No. It's not. Look, I, I actually don't understand why they don't put it up on Showtime. It's yeah. perfect. Why right? not? It, there's yeah. a, you know, there's, it's perfect to put up, because believe it or not, ladies and gentlemen, there are people in America and around the world who are not watching the final season of Game of Thrones. Right. And just like you counter-program the Super Bowl and other yeah. things, I think The Good Fight would get great eyeball value oh, from having totally. some counter-programming. And it's a great show, really good cast, everything about it. She's fantastic. Nominated six times for The Good Wife and never won there. Wouldn't it be something to see her come in here? Uh, you know, and, and Well, the thing is, there's a there's a plethora, or to use another sports analogy, there's a deep bench of talent on that show. And, and yeah, Michael Sheen has I mean. joined. Fantastic like, cast. I mean, it's just they, they keep ramming. She's yeah. the star, but she's yeah. the leader of an amazing pack. The good news for Good Fight fans and Christine Baranski fans, I was a little worried. CBS, are they going to really do a campaign? Is they are. She's coming out to L.A. They're having a big reception for her. Uh, she'll be doing an episode of my uh, show, The Actor's Side. Tune in every Wednesday. Oh, and shameless. <laughs> shameless. She is... Um, and I ain't talking William H. Macy. Yeah, but she, I think she smells it, too. If she looks at this list, she should. I mean, you know, when you see that there's a lot of slots open this year for but also, uh, But actress. also, and Christine doesn't pay for this show, but uh, or CBS <laughs> All Access, at least not yeah. that we know. Um, she's awesome. I mean, she really is awesome. I mean, she, yeah. it's, you know, as you said, all these nominations in, in, in the past, there is a point where you get it. Oh, you're coasting now. Like right. you don't, you don't pay your, your mortgage is all paid off. You're good. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, or she like kind of steps back a bit and goes more back to the stage and yeah. stuff like that. But it's just gotten better, Always. better. Yeah. And that character, those years have given her character such depth yeah. that they're just, they're just, she is truly a battle for Game of Thrones because she's got a sword of talent. Totally. There you go. Well, we decided it. it. Christine Baranski is our Emmy winner in this category. But there are other people to put in here, too. And I... Like Maggie, who you talked about. I have a vote for Maggie Gyllenhaal. That show may be too much for some people to see. (laughs) I don't know. But uh, I find it very entertaining. And no actor takes more risk uh, than this, uh, this one. Maggie Gyllenhaal goes for it and talks about it. And uh, and owns it, but in a in a, a classy way, I think too. Well, and also too, Maggie's a producer on on, yeah. on HBO's The Deuce, co-created by the, the amazing David Simon, and and you know I think that she takes that job almost as seriously as she takes her on-screen job. Yes. And so this depiction of the of the rise of the modern pornography industry in in kind of the yeah. Deuce, which is Times Square, an area of right. Times Square back in the seventies. Um, I say this as someone who has walked through that area as a child <laughs> many times. Um, is uh, you know. It's a very 
it's a very healthy depiction of what could have been a very toxic environment. Oh, and totally. I, and I yeah. think that is very much, in a show that has yeah. quite a few talented people in it, it's very much Maggie leads that. And it's very much, uh, you know, about this character, too, wants to be taken seriously as a filmmaker, yeah. oddly enough. And you wants know? to make serious films. Yeah. And yeah. so it goes into all those issues yeah. of women directing and all those things that go on in the regular industry, but also here. And I, I think it's a very good show, but she's spectacular in it. I hope she breaks through and gets a nomination. Laura Linney, Ozark. Ozark's the one to watch, folks. That's the show that's rising right now, and Laura Linney will be carried along with it. She's really good in this show. I mean, we're, we're literally having a cl cliche battle, aren't we? It's a secret <laughs> to subtext to this. I know. No, but I, you know what? I do think you're right. Yeah. I, I also think, you know, I, I think... I think that there is a uh, there's an emphasis here that could really really change things. Not just because this is an open field this year, yeah. but because there there are certain products. Ozark's a good one, actually, a yeah. good example. Not a big fan of the first season. Yeah. Second season, much greater a fan, and in great part because of how Laura's role uh, expanded yes. and how her character showed. Yeah. You know, there was a steeliness, for lack yes. of a better expression, that she showed that you did not expect coming, oh, yeah. et, cetera, et cetera. This has elements of Macbeth and Shakespeare to it, the way these characters are developing. Her character in particular is getting a, a lot more power. Yeah. And, uh, and, and it's fascinating. And she's such a good actress. Look, she doesn't need another Emmy. She's already won four Emmys. Peter, there's nobody really means that when they <laughs> Nobody, but, right? But, you know, I, I think that, I, and I do believe she will be nominated. Now, the big question is Julia Roberts. Um, what do you think? Homecoming. Look, look you know, the, I the love Julia the, Roberts here. The past several years, it's clear as the era of peak TV has truly grown to being a, a, a to being. I would say the standard bearer in right. the entire industry, because yeah. um, you know, on the big screen, you need either a cape or a lightsaber, or to be owned by Disney, I guess. Yeah. Um, I, I do think Julia finally coming to the small screen was still a big deal, even though so many people have already. I just don't think Homecoming was the was the landing spot she needed. I think that it just. Um, Maybe she doesn't either because she's not returning to Homecoming. Yeah. For a second season. Yeah. And I well, do she, is know, a, she is as a producer. But yeah, not, I know. Not, as yeah, a producer, yeah. I do know, have, ha, having interviewed her, though, at one point here, uh, I got the indication that she was looking forward to it and, and working with Sam Espinel yeah. again on that. And then all of a sudden, she wasn't returning. So I personally don't know what happened there. I do know she has another series deal yeah, in the works exactly. with Amazon. So, um, so everything's fine with that. Look, she's Julia Roberts. She does a great job in this. She plays... Two, uh, one character in two distinctly different kind of time periods. Um, is she too big a movie star for the uh, Emmy people uh, in the uh, television series, uh, drama series I, category? I think she's going to get a nomination because she's Julia Roberts. Okay. And I think she's going to get a nomination because Amazon are, are, are dropping serious coin for a campaign. Yeah. I just... I, I did notice she's doing the um, FYC panel. Yeah. Yeah, she is joining. So that means, that, that means she is definitely getting... Yeah. She's not putting a toe in the water. She's jumping in. Right. Um, but over at the Hollywood Athletic Club. But I just, uh, I see a nomination, I don't see a win. Okay. And, and especially when you, when you look at some of the people we've talked about, and then you look at things like, yeah. you look at Christine with a good fight, and you look at that final season of Game of Thrones. Yeah. You look at the momentum Sandra and Killing Eve clearly have. I, I just, I don't see her, I don't see her crossing the, win the winner's line first. Let's throw out another Emmy favorite here. Sarah Paulson, American Horror Story. Now, we would not be talking about this in drama series, but we are because Apocalypse, the latest uh, edition of uh, American Horror Story, 
brings back characters, uh, uh, actors playing characters they played previously, which means the Emmy rules very uh, clearly define that that would put you in drama series, yeah. not in limited series. The reason they were able to get away with limited series over and over and over on these kind of shows is because they claim they're playing different roles. It's well, an this anthology. time, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> this time they can't yeah. do that, and so they have been thrown by the Academy into this category for the very first time. And we have Sarah Paulson, and who's also directing up some of it. Do too. you think? Do you, I mean, you know, you think there that you thought I thought there was going to be a, a sea shift when Game of Thrones won its first Best Drama Emmy, um, that genre had kind of gotten gotten welcomed finally with open arms. Right. I, I don't actually think that's true. I think that Game of Thrones got welcomed with yes, open arms. Yes, totally. And, and, and I, I wonder if American Horror Story will be able to break that genre barrier. Uh, I don't know. American Horror Story isn't on the cover of every magazine and on everybody's lips about what's happening on, a, on every show. In the pop culture, the way uh, this show, Game of Thrones, is, that makes a huge difference. Well, and Game of Thrones also does have an advantage right now, yeah. which it's still on the air. And yeah. so right now, right, early, early stages of what's been a very intense award season already, right now, it seems to have the edge on everyone, right? Yeah. But I think the battle for the Emmy Iron yeah. Throne right. come... This later in the spring, come the summer, yeah. I, I think everything's going to, there's going to be a lot of fallout in different directions. Oh, there could be, you know, and we'll see um, how that affects everything here. But um, Sarah Paulson is well-liked, uh, and uh, so she's and in this category. And incredibly talented. And incredibly and, and, talented. And, 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 and correct me if I'm wrong, but she won an Emmy before for yeah. American Crime Story. That's right. When yeah. they, when it was the first season when they did yeah. the OJ. And been crime. nominated a zillion times. Uh, Do you think sometimes... Do you think sometimes those multiple nominations actually factor badly for people? Um, I, you know, it's like, the, oh, you're on the list, but yeah. just like, you know, with the Emmys, uh, you never know. You know, of course, with the Oscars, we all thought Glenn Close was going to win because of multiple nominations, and it didn't do her any good there. It really doesn't do a good in the Emmys. There are a lot of people who never won an Emmy, you know, despite uh, repeated nominations for the same thing. Going way back to the 50s and 60s, Elizabeth Montgomery for Bewitched, nominated every year, never never won. Uh, Jackie Gleason never won an Emmy. You know, a lot of people— I really resent that. I do, too, because he, he should have won. Jackie should have won everything. He, he should have won. We're getting the wrap-up here from— our producer here, who, by the way, compiled this wonderful list for us, David Janov, and I thank you for that. But he has the rest, and he includes Mandy Moore. Poor Mandy Moore. I thought she should have been nominated last year. Right now, he says she's just the rest. Oh, <laughs> I really Mandy. like you, Mandy Moore, and I'm rooting for you to break through. You might be the here. greatest mother on Big Four television. <laughs> All right. You make us cry every week. You make us cry every week. So listen. Not making us cry every week, but making, at least for me, bust a gut, is uh, Reed Scott, who plays the absolutely despicable Dan on Veep, and which is saying something because in no one, none of the characters on Veep are anything less than despicable. But Reed really pulls off a, a, a creature of a, of a character. And I sat down with him recently to talk about that and to talk about where he's at with this final season. I wanted to, to ask you right away, and I don't want any spoilers, right? Sure. But, but how the fuck is this thing going to end? <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think it ends in what will be a very satisfying way for the audience. And it, it, we, we talked about it a lot because it's, um, you know, the, the show obviously became so precious to us, but there's not a lot of shows these days that actually get to see their way to a natural end. You mean as opposed to getting Yeah, either you get ripped right off the air or the network says, you know, this season's your last. But this was Veep's decision. I mean, you know, Julia and our showrunner, David Mandel, they made the decision. They called all of us. We discussed it. 
and um, and it felt like the right thing to do. So then it's like, okay, well, now that we are making the decision, we are in control of this, what do we do? Because we can kind of do whatever we want. And I will say that David and the other writers came up with some shit that was just, we thought, like, how are we going to pull this off? This is, this is great. We love it. But it's so big, and it definitely sends us in a different direction as a show. The tone is different. I think people have already... You know, mention that to me. Well, you know, the first the first several episodes clearly show that you guys have definitely how can I put it like lit the fires and burning the tires. I mean, it's yeah. it's really it's yeah. it's going where it, it's going in a place. It, a couple of seasons ago, Veep would not have gone there. We got the final episode. You know, we're, we're we're reading it quickly to try to you know get ready for the table read. And I look across to Matt Walsh. I'm like, I'm like, are we gonna like we're really gonna do this? This is this. he's like, I know this is crazy, and we read it. And it read phenomenally well in the room. Like every joke killed. David wrote the finale, and but it was so big and such a departure from Veep. Um, See now you're making now now I'm like aliens. No, I, I, <laughs> that, we were sort of joking that too. It's like that would be like the only next logical episode after this. But when I say it's going to be satisfying, it's it, it goes to a place that you that you hope a show like this would go to, and then I think it delivers on that promise. It, it does something truly veepish, which is, I, don't <laughs> I, I, I laugh about it, I don't know. It, it was so much fun to shoot. We all just had a blast, not only because it was the last episode and very emotional and stuff too, but what we got to do in this episode. Everybody's character really, you know, uh, <laughs> comes to a really, a you're really like incredible right place, I know. Yeah, I'm, like, I'm gonna get myself I in say, trouble. Like, there's a reckoning, isn't there? There, yeah, there? There's something pretty great. In this era of Trump madness, you kind of have to out Trump Trump to keep to keep Veep's edge. Yeah. How did that feel for you guys? Did that feel like too sudden a lurch, or did it feel like we're kind of uh, got there in five and five, so let's just take it off in six? It was something we had to contend with. I know we we all just like you said, you know, Dave and Julian and all of us had the moment of like, what the hell do we do now? In a weird way, I think. The year that we got to go dark, so that Julia, you know, she got her her, her treatment and got mm -hmm. well, which I'm very happy about. Um, it gave us enough. Not that you know that wasn't the purpose, obviously, but I think we could sit back for a little while. We didn't even know the show was going to come back. You know, we didn't know how her her treatment was going to go, so we just knew that we were just in a holding pattern. And it gave us a moment to step back and sort of see the landscape change a little bit, and maybe that helped us get used to the new reality. So I, I think if they had issued us the scripts from this season a year prior, we'd have been like, this is too big. When Julia was dealing with her cancer. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If we'd gone right from season six into season seven, which was as planned, I, I don't, it would have felt like a giant jump. But I think because <laughs> the world at large had this opportunity to sit back and just watch the circus for a while, that when they see this season, it's going to be like, yep, that's just the next logical step in the, you know, offering up all these horrible, horrible people. And I, as I mentioned uh, here, uh, love Maggie Gyllenhaal, love her performance in The Deuce, and was so happy that she came to our Deadline Emmy Contenders event a few weeks ago, and I sat down with her to talk about this very challenging, extremely risky role, and she really gave me some insight into her reasons for wanting to do it, for wanting to be a producer on it, how she approached it, and where she thinks it's going. So let's listen to that. It's a fascinating character because we get to see her evolve over these well-be three seasons. I mean, she really starts as one thing, and then you see in season two here, she gets a little more ambitious. Look, she's in the world of, of porn movies and things. It's set in the 70s. This is five years after the first season, right? Yes, one? five, six, yeah. Yeah, and she's suddenly, you know, wanting to actually direct, be a creative force here. Well, I think she's an artist. 
And yeah, she, when you meet her, she's a sex worker on the street in 1971, and she ends up getting involved a little bit in porn. But the first movie you see her acting in, she like has a, this is in season one, she has like a, a an artistic, like full on awakening. Like she's like, whoa the world can actually be seen through a frame and we're all actually light. And I think movies for her become the thing that allows her to survive. So she grabs onto it and like can't let go. And so yeah, in season two, she's like, this is the thing that's fed me and given me life. Like, uh, let's push it as far as it can go. How far can it go, you know? Yeah. And there's no precedent, really, in 1978. There's not much of a precedent that she's aware of for women doing things like this. So she doesn't. She also doesn't know what the limits are. She's like, let's do something good. Why are we doing these movies that are so bad? And it's interesting in our show because our show shows all these ways that pornography brutalizes women and objectifies women, but like it's undeniable that for Candy, it does those things and it also does something that really feeds her. So then what do you do with that? And where do you put feminism inside of that? I mean, that I think is really cool. I don't think any of us wanted to make a show that was like, porn is bad. I don't think that's what we're saying. There are elements and ways in which it's been really destructive, but you, you can't deny that for this woman who I play, she's fed by the possibility of something that it offers her. And that just gets more and more interesting and complicated and dark and confusing and, um, in season three. When you look for roles to play, you know, what is it that has to pop off the page for you? Because I've seen you do so many unique and different kinds of roles. Obviously, we've seen you in blockbusters and Batman and all of those things, too. But you do a lot of indie work and a lot of this is very challenging kind of stuff on uh, if you're going to go do television. This is not your normal television series. I just get hungry, you know, and I want something that will make me feel fed, you know, I want to use my brain and I want to use my body and I want to use my heart and I want it to be hard. So thanks for listening to the Deadline Podcast TV Talk. Make sure you subscribe to us on iTunes so you never miss an episode. And of course, you can find all of our Emmy-breaking news coverage at Deadline.com. And before we sign off, I also too want to say thank you to David, who's awesome. And thank you for joining us. Bye.